Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with AJ Woods, the co-managing editor of SB Nation's Utah site, Block U. We spoke on Friday morning just before AJ began his trek west to Pasadena, just in time for this afternoon's Rose Bowl matchup between the number six Ohio State Buckeyes and the number 11 Utah Utes. In our conversation, we discussed the Utes' reputation as a physical team led by their lines on both sides of the ball, what makes their offense tick, what issues the Buckeyes might be able to exploit, and the lasting legacy of Urban Meyer at Utah. If you want to get more perspective on the granddaddy of them all from the Utah side of things, head over to BlockU.com or find them on Twitter at BlockU. That's just the letter U, like short for university, like the U, you know. Anyway, I also gave them a behind-the-scenes look at the Buckeyes earlier in the week, so you can check that on their website. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with A.J. Woods. I think for a lot of Ohio State fans, they're looking at this game with a certain sense of dread and foreboding. We've heard all the conversations about how Utah is a physical team led by both their offensive and defensive lines, uh, and then a, a great running game, which has given Ohio State problems all season. Is that too simplistic of of a representation of who the Utes are? I mean, I, I know from an Ohio State perspective, the outside perspective is always much different than what we think on the inside. Is what you, as somebody who covers the Utah team, pretty much in line with that idea of uh, of Utah being a physical team led by the guys in the trenches? Absolutely. That is 100% correct. Um, to, to say that simplistic would be a disservice because Utah really sure. prides themselves on being a, a physical team that will win the game in the trenches. And how has that worked throughout the year? Has that been something that they've been – I mean, obviously that's the philosophy, but has that been pretty successful from the start of the season to where they are now going into the Rose Bowl? Or has that been a work in progress to get to the level of productivity that they are having won the Pac-12 championship and coming in, in my opinion, even if they are, I guess, four-point underdogs at this point, to really being, if not – you know, a push in terms of the favorite, maybe even the actual favorite to win the game on Saturday night? Yeah, it's been an incredible work in progress, actually. Uh, that's that's a great question. Um, so when you're looking back at the first two games, uh, those losses to BYU, or I guess the first three games, uh, they beat Weber State in their opening game, which they should have done. Um, but that, uh, that game to BYU and then the second or the third week against San Diego State, those were two really bad losses that nobody really expected or saw coming. And it really came down to our offensive line. Um, they were really banged up at that time. The, the unit really hadn't played much together. We were swapping guys in and out nonstop. Um, I, I think that had a big impact, let alone the quarterback controversy with uh, Cam Rising coming in late against San Diego State to kind of salvage uh, a, a, an overtime loss. Uh, the 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 offensive line really hadn't had any time to prepare together um, as the season progressed and they had more time to gel uh, that definitely got better and, and it really helped Utah find their footing and and, and save the season and get to a Rose Bowl. 
Yeah. You mentioned Cam Rising coming in early in the season to replace Charlie Brewer, and he has been the the starting quarterback ever since. He's had fairly decent numbers as a passer, but I, I think from the outside looking in, the real difference that he brings to the team is his ability to run. And then you put him in with um, a stable of running backs who all do something slightly different but are able to work together in tandem from your perspective what has rising been able to do to solidify this offense and to give it a a a personality and um and make them really a a factor with a ton of weapons that any defense would have to prepare for uh with with a lot of with a lot of creativity and excuse me with a lot of creativity i mean rising is definitely a more mobile quarterback than brewer was um, but I don't believe personally that that is the, the sole factor that Utah really turned things around with rising. Um, nothing against Brewer by any means. I think he's a great kid. He's going to be a good quarterback somewhere someday. Uh, it just didn't work out with Utah. The difference with rising is he was voted team captain prior to the season kicking off. Uh, a lot of the receivers came to Utah because of cam rising. The chemistry that he has with the team, it, it's a night and day difference. Um, athletic skill set aside, for whatever reason, the team just clicks better with him making the calls. So you you mentioned the wide receivers, and Utah is clearly a running team, and we're going to get to the running backs. But they do have a number of guys who've put up around 400, 500 yards uh, in receiving this year. Is that something that is secondary to the running game is it something that kyle whittingham and cam rising would like to have more of in the offense or is that just like the zag to the zig of the running game yeah so utah for the last since the kyle whittingham era started i'll say has really been a run first team um to to say that the the run game or the, the passing game i'll say is secondary wouldn't say it's necessarily fair um, but with the offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig, he really likes to use his tight ends. And this season really showed that. I mean, we have three tight ends who are all, yeah. they're part of that physicality that, that Utah has created such a hallmark with. So yeah, I definitely think that utilizing that and having that size makes a big impact on the passing game because Kyle Whittingham is, is going to depend on that physicality every season. So now, yeah. that, we, now, that, now that Utah's in the Pac-12 and they're recruiting at, at a different clip, Having guys like that uh, make a big difference, and we're seeing that more. We're seeing that translate more to the passing game now than than before. Interesting. So, if you had to to describe the passing game, is it primarily centered on those tight ends? Obviously, there's some wide receivers who have had you know fairly decent seasons, but is it a a short? to intermediate passing game or will rising look to, to connect deep fairly regularly for Ohio state fans who haven't watched a ton of Utah football when the ball is in the air, what should they be looking for beyond just that depth and, and, and power at the tight end position? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of chunk yardage. Absolutely. Um, if you see anything going deep, you're not going to see that every second or third pass by any means. It's going to be a desperation heave if you see something go 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards. Okay. Um, Even when we're looking at a guy like uh, Britton Covey, who has been one of the best wide receivers Utah's ever seen, especially considering his size, he's really known as a return specialist more than anything, but he's a fantastic wide receiver. They play him a lot out of the slot even. Um, So a lot of those passing yards are going to be short intermediate routes for sure. 
All right. Well, let's turn over to the the running game. And Ohio State has had difficulty when it comes to stopping power run teams, not just power in terms of like the the running scheme, but just the toughness uh, of the running game. And Utah has three running backs led by Dayton, Ohio native, uh, which I'm sure has been beaten into the ground by every beat reporter on both sides. Uh, Tavion Thomas, you've got uh, TJ Pledger uh, and Micah Bernard, who are all carrying the ball fairly well, five and a half yards per carry or more. Um, How do these three guys, how are these three guys used differently? Thomas seems to be the number one back, um, but then Pledger seems to be maybe the change of pace guy. And where does Bernard fit in? Um, to how Whittingham and the offensive staff deploys them throughout the course of the game. Yeah, so Thomas is definitely going to be your number one guy to look for on the running game. Uh, He's more of a traditional smash mouth kind of back. Uh, He'll get more yards after contact. He's just going to keep running. He's hard to bring down. Uh, He's the kind of guy that's just going to go right at the line and and not stop. Pledger is a little bit smaller, doesn't quite have, have quite the uh, the presence up front, but he has great burst speed. So he can break past the line, get five or six yards downfield, pass it into the secondary. Uh, he's gone. I mean, he had, I believe, a, a 96-yard touchdown earlier this season, school record, and that's simply because that burst speed is unparalleled. Um, where I would say the change of pace guy comes from, that's probably more Micah Bernard than it is TJ Pledger, just because the skill set's so different. And then you also have Chris Curry, who the Utes haven't really utilized a whole lot. He's a transfer out of LSU. Um, I, I would expect to see him maybe see a little bit more playing action in the Rose Bowl, just because why not? Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of dynamic running backs that Utah is going to utilize, and they all have a, a different skill set they bring to the table for sure. Similar to the question I asked about the passing game, uh, I know Utah is, uh, I believe, tied for fourth with the most rushes of 10 or more yards in the country with 101. Um, Is that really the game plan? Break big rushes or is it uh, a, a grind philosophy? How do they tend to pick up most of their yards when it comes to the ground game? Can I give that one more time? Yeah, yeah. So... Utah seems to be able to pick up big chunks of yards uh, on the ground game fairly regularly. They have 101 rushes of 10 yards or more. Is is that the game plan? Is it? Are they designing runs and calls to try to break big rushes all the time, or are they a um, you know slowly matriculate the ball down the field kind of offense? Are they looking for four to five yards of rush? Are they looking for 20 to 30 yards of rush in terms of the game plan? Yeah, I don't know that 20, 30 yards is going to really be the game plan simply because Utah likes to control the tempo. That's really one of Kyle Whittingham's hallmarks okay. once again. Uh, so the, they're the type of team that's going to really want to grind things out, keep things physical, keep your defense exhausted, keep them on the field as much as possible. Uh, so, no, they're, they're not looking for any kind of 20 to 30 yard deep kind of run. It's going to be a slow, physical, grinded out type of offense. All right. So to wrap up kind of the stuff on the offense, we've talked about the big guys, whether those running backs, rising, the receivers, tight ends. If there was somebody in that list who you think could be a significant difference maker in the Rose Bowl, but maybe isn't the one getting all of the headlines and getting all of the talking 
leading into the game. Is there somebody, would it be that uh, Chris Curry running back uh, from LSU? Is, is there somebody uh, perhaps uh, buried a little bit down in the tight end depth chart or a wide receiver who you think could see some increased playing time Saturday night and, and could have an impact on the game? Yeah, I, I, I would love for it to be Chris Curry because I think he's going to be a really exciting back me for us next season. Um, but I don't know that he'll get enough playing time to really be that dude. Ooh, if I'm looking at somebody on the offense that could really just kind of be a surprise shock and all, I'm going to go with somebody on the offensive line because I think they don't get enough credit. I'm going to go with Bamadeli Olaseni. Um, absolute physical unit. When you see him, you're going to know exactly who he is. Um, uh, six foot seven, I believe, close to 400 pounds. The guy is just a unit and is very much responsible for how much success our ground game has had this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go offensive line, Bamadeli Olaseni. All right, well, let's move over to the other side of the ball. And I already mentioned the fact that the team on both sides is is led by their line, and that does not um, change when we're talking specifically about the defense. And I know these are all defensive stats, but obviously often uh, impacted significantly by the defensive line. But Utah is 7th nationally in sacks per game and 10th nationally in tackles for loss. Is is this because they are just huge run stuffers and get back? Or is there a, a specific aggression that comes with this Utah defense that allows them to kind of get into the backfield and blow plays up seemingly at will? Definitely more of, a, of an aggression. Uh, that, that's something that once again, that Kyle Winningham has really kind of made uh, a hallmark here at Utah. Uh, Devin Lloyd, obviously uh, at linebacker is one of the best in the country, statistically speaking. They had Mika Tafu on the edge, who I believe is Utah sack rusher uh, or sack leader. Uh, and he is just, he, he's incredible. He's as physical as they come. He's going to blow through everybody. Um, I, I'm not well-versed with Michigan's players by any means. Right? Yeah. I, I remember watching the, uh, the rivalry game. and I don't. I've completely blocked it out. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. I don't blame you. I've never seen one of their edge rushers just completely knock a guy down and come through and get to Stroud like it was nothing. And that's the same type of mentality Tafua has. He He's just mean. He's aggressive. He's going to pin his ears back. And he's going to do what he can to get to the ball. Yeah. Uh, Michigan has two, Aiden Hutchinson, who obviously finished second of the Heisman. And then and then David Aiden Ajabu yeah. is, is their, their other guy. They had two. And that's really not fair. I would like to lodge a formal complaint. Um, <laughs> but so so beyond kind of that that rush, both uh, against the, the pass and the uh, and the run, what else does Utah do? We've talked so much about them being physical, but Ohio State is a team that when going well likes to get the ball out quickly and kind of negate that pass rush. Obviously, a lot of Ohio State fans know about Clark Phillips III, who had committed to Ohio State and then flipped on signing day. Um, what about the defensive secondary or even linebackers in coverage? Um, what do they do there to kind of negate what Ohio State, I imagine, will try to do is to get the ball in the hands of its its playmaking receivers as quickly as possible. Yeah, and really, Ohio State set up quite nicely to do that. I mean, they're obviously the, the number one offense in the nation for a reason. And unfortunately, Utah's going to come into this game without a whole lot of health at, at cornerback. Clark Phillips, as you mentioned, he is really Utah's only healthy cornerback. Uh, our coaching staff has kind of hinted to the fact that we're going to be throwing somebody in at corner who doesn't play corner. Uh, there's not been any kind of solidified rumors to that could be, um, but that's something that Ohio state should plan on attacking frequently 
And your dogs do not like that. They don't like no. the fact that you're not going to have much <laughs> secondary help. Man, they, they know their football. No, no, all good. <laughs> Everyone loves blowers. a good dog background. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's better than kid background, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, if Ohio State can get the passing game going, which they're obviously going to, I don't care if Chris Lave is not there. I don't care if Garrett Wilson's not there. They're going to get that pass game going. There's too many five-star guys out there in that wide receiver room that they're going to make something happen regardless of those guys not being there. So I, I don't know that Utah secondary is going to be capable of stopping that all that well. It's going to be tough simply because, like I said, I, I don't know who's going to be playing at corner. Uh, our secondaries be up as it is outside of corner. Uh, so hopefully Clark Phillips does big man things going into Saturday's game. Um, but I would, I would, I would expect Ohio state to exploit that really heavily. You mentioned the fact that Olave and Wilson um, have opted out, um, although it appears that Chris Olave has been practicing with the team. I'm assuming they, we haven't heard much. We don't get a whole lot of information from Ohio State's coaching staff, but I'm assuming he's been um, serving as part of like the the, the scout team and, and working against Ohio State's defense. But that means that Jackson Smith and Jigba is now Ohio State's number one wide receiver. We don't know if he will continue to line up in the slot where he's been all season or if he'll move to the outside to kind of replace Olave and Wilson. Phillips primarily has been on the outside this season. Do you anticipate him sticking with uh, Smith and Jigba no matter where he is, even if that's in the slot? Or do you think they'll keep him where he's comfortable um, on the outside, given all of the other changes that could be happening uh, in the secondary. If there was a better indication to us regarding who might be playing corner beside him, I, I would feel more comfortable answering that question. But sure. I, I simply, there's been little to no information coming out about who that could possibly be, where they might line up. All we know is the coaching staff has, has said there are guys who played both sides of the ball before in high school. Great. We'll thanks, take a look thanks. at that and see yeah. who we can find and where we can slot them. So I think a lot of that is going to depend on who gets that second spot at corner. Yeah, it sounds like the Utah coaching staff and the Ohio State coaching staff have the same philosophy in terms of disseminating information, which is not to do it at all. So uh, that's very helpful. I appreciate that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I, I want to get back to like the, the the big picture thoughts of the game here in a minute, but it is an interesting kind of storyline that despite, you know, a significant amount of time between these things happening, the two head coaches in this game both replaced Urban Meyer at their current schools. Obviously, <laughs> uh, Kyle Whittingham replaced Urban Meyer back in 2005. Uh, Ryan Day did it um, in, in 2019. Um, I'm interested because the thoughts about Urban Meyer here in Columbus, um, I'm actually not in Columbus, but for uh, Ohio State fans are complicated um, with some people loving him for what he did for the program and some people thinking he's an absolutely garbage human being. Um, and right. I'm interested to, fee to hear what the thoughts about Urban Meyer's legacy at Utah are, considering you've had, you know, his his successor, his replacement there for you know, going on, you know, 16, 17 years now. And f like at Ohio State, Urban kind of 
built the program back up to what it has been able to be carried forward since then. But obviously, Whittingham's the guy who's been doing it now for 16 seasons and is the face of the yeah. program. So what what are the thoughts for Utah fans about Urban Meyer and his legacy um, a decade and a half removed from when he was was actually there? It's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know that Urban Meyer's legacy is is much of a legacy here in Utah. Sure. So with Kyle Whittingham, he was actually part of this coaching staff well before, before Urban him. Meyer yeah, yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So he was here with Ron McBride, who most Utah fans will say really kind of built the foundation of Utah football. Um, he, he was up against Lavelle Edwards at BYU, who at least locally is considered yeah, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I mean, the, the passing game that he created is just, it was unheralded at the time. So Ron McBride really kind of set the foundation and kept Utah competitive against BYU for the first time in decades. Uh, Urban Meyer came in out of Bowling Green for two seasons after that. He did some great things for Utah, undoubtedly. I mean, Alex Smith getting the team to the Fiesta Bowl, busting the BCS for the very first time, first team to ever do it. Those are great accomplishments. Um, but he was gone after two seasons. So I, I mean, he's not the kind of guy that Utah fans are clamoring for a statue out front of Rice Eccles by any means. Um, he's well-respected for what he did for Utah football. But in the end, he's more of a footnote compared to Ron McBride and Kyle Whittingham. Those two are really the, if you were going to build a, a Mount Rushmore of Utah football coaches, those two definitely are in their spot much more than Urban Meyer, simply because the longevity isn't there. Like I said, he, he did some great things. Nobody's ever going to forget the, the Fiesta Bowl team. Uh, Alex Smith obviously is, he's earned his stripes as one of Utah's greatest quarterback successes. Um, but no, I, I don't feel like the, the vitriol really exists uh, against Urban Meyer, where uh, he does with other places. He had more of a, a clean-cut image here in Utah, just naturally so. There's not a whole lot of trouble you can get into here. Um, and times were just different. So I, I don't know that he's viewed that as a, a figure of disdain or celebrated in, in any certain way yeah i mean his his very short arc at utah kind of makes sense comes from a lower level at bowling green goes to utah for two years then leaves for the sec especially in the days when utah wasn't uh in the pac-12 like that makes sense exactly. he was only there for a short amount of time whether that was at florida ohio state or i guess jacksonville even, jacksonville. even though he was there shorter um he found ways to get himself in trouble and uh uh, deserves some of the side eye glances that he gets from those fans. Uh, moving yeah, forward. But, we, we've had former players come out and suggest some negative things about Urban. You know, he everybody knows Urban is a bit of an asshole. Part of my language. Oh, um, no pardon necessary. <laughs> but I mean, so there, there have been players who have came out and said, you know, I, I, I liked football less because of Urban Meyer. I consider quitting the team because of Urban Meyer. Maybe some of my mental health issues I'm experiencing now I haven't been helped because of Urban Meyer. But from a fan standpoint, I don't believe there's any kind of ill will. Um, the players, of course, may have other feelings, but even those comments have been fairly minimal. All right. Good to know. All right. So let's let's wrap up here. I've got a kind of quick thoughts about uh, the game I want to get from you. One, if Utah ends up winning this game. What is one thing that will have to happen to put them in that position? Whether it's something that they do or something Ohio State doesn't do, if they're gonna if they're gonna win the Rose Bowl, um, what 
what is one major factor that you think has to be a part of, of, of that outcome? I think Utah special teams have to be 100%. Uh, field goal kicking with Jaden Redding this season has definitely been an issue. Uh, he did hit a career high 50 yarder in the Pac-12 championship that kind of helped to seal the deal more so than already was, which was huge because he's missed some very short, very easily, very easily made field goals. Um, and we've had a lot of block punts. Uh, that have definitely uh, become problematic. If you look back to the to the Oregon State game, uh, that definitely was the tail of the tape there, some block punts. Uh, if that happens again, there's no way Utah wins. Uh, Ohio State is just a different type of team, and it's hard to come back from something like that uh, against right. a team like that. So All I would right. say special teams has to be 100%. All right. Conversely, if Ohio State wins this game, um, what do you think that looks like in terms of maybe something that Utah – doesn't uh, isn't able to accomplish in terms of their game plan. If Ohio State wins the game, it's because Utah's uh, corners and secondary in general uh, simply didn't show up. Um, if I can look back to like even the Arizona game, a, a team that I think won one game all season, just a really abysmal program this year. Uh, on the rebound, I hope they do well. Um, but Utah secondary got scorched there on more than one occasion and made that a very much close game. Uh, closer than it should have been for sure. All right. So if Ohio State does win, it's going to come down to Utah secondary uh, not being at full strength. Yeah, especially with all the injuries you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, All right, well, let's wrap it up then. What do you think happens? I mean, whether that's if you want to give us a score prediction, that's great. Or if you want to just give us the narrative of what you think happens in the game, um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and get them officially on the record. Yeah, I'm hesitant to give score prediction because last time I did that, was against Arizona, and I expected a <laughs> blowout, and it was so close. Yeah, yeah. And you I got dragged for that. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't want to give a score, that's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll take whatever you got. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a close physical game. Uh, the Pac-12 has just looked so bad in bowl season. So I, I, the, the perception of the Pac-12 is, is that the conference is down. It's hard to disagree with that. So uh, Utah had a great miracle, miracle season after losing – Two really bad games. Mm-hmm. The Oregon State loss is what it is. They're they're a decent team. They really did the right things to beat Utah. So I I I, I hesitate to think that Utah is going to come out and just and win the game right off the bat like they did against Oregon twice. I mean those games were really no contest. It's going to be a close physical battle. It, it's going to be a grind. If it's a three to seven point game, I wouldn't be surprised whoever wins that. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts as well. I think that but I think I what I said in the preview that I did for for your site was I said 38, 31 Ohio State. That was pre Olave and Wilson yeah. uh, opting out. So I don't know how much that actually changes things just because of, like you mentioned earlier, the depth at wide receiver. It certainly it certainly changes things. I, I, just, I can't tell how much. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, the. the the questions at wide receiver are kind of negated by Utah's questions. At exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that really is kind of a wash, which makes it really hard to really pinpoint what to expect at this point. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of of the opinion that Ohio State comes out with something to prove on the defensive side. Uh, on the offensive side, they've proven quite a bit this year, even though they've been far from perfect. I, I'm kind of with you. I think that both teams are going to try to grind things out. I would not be surprised if both teams score a field goal to touchdown under their season average in points. Um, And it's kind of one of those games where it's a back and forth thing 
throughout, and it comes down to who has the best fourth quarter. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I said it in the article for 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 your side. I I'm a I'm a I don't know that I say I'm a, a legitimate fan of any program other than Ohio State, just because I don't have. The, the mental fortitude to root for multiple teams. But like, I've always appreciated Utah and, and Kyle Whittingham. I'm sure, you know, more than I do has had plenty of opportunities to leave if he's ever wanted to, but he's now going on like three decades at Utah. So I really respect that and, and what he's built there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I know a lot of Ohio state fans are not looking forward to this game because of what Utah brings to the field. Uh, but I think this is a, a matchup that Ohio state needs. And even if they don't win, which, will send many in Buckeye Nation uh, off the ro- off their rockers. Like, I think Ohio State just needs to look tough and needs to look physical. Um, and if they can do that, I think it'll be a really, really interesting game. If they can't, it might be something that's not very close in the fourth quarter, and, and Utah might run away and hide. Either way, I know you're driving out through a whole bunch of snow to Pasadena as soon as we hang up. So, uh, Aaron, I, I really appreciate it, uh, all the insight and everything. Do you want to let people know where they can follow all of Block U stuff throughout the lead up to the game and during the game as well? Yeah, so we are BlockU.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at BlockU. Pretty simple. Um, I will be there. My uh, other editor, Shane, will be there as well. I'll be putting out tweets throughout the day, kind of looking at the tailgate lots, uh, all the the festivities. I'm probably gonna skip the parade just because tailgating is more important. Um, Not gonna lie, I don't care about boat parades all that much, but um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be there uh, tweeting nonstop. We got some uh, some coverage going on from some of our new contributors they'll be putting out throughout the game as well. So yeah, definitely give us a follow, uh, give us a listen. Go Utes, go Bucks. Let's make it a fun game. Absolutely. Have a safe trip. Enjoy the game. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to uh, chat again in the future. Anytime. Great. Great to talk to you, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to AJ Woods. I will have a link to all of the Block U information in the show notes and in the article version on LandGrantHolyLand.com. If you're finding this episode on the aforementioned website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've been cranking out an episode every day during the football season, and we very well might be keeping that going forward throughout the rest of the year. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter before, during, and after the Rose Bowl there, so come over and say hi. You can also find me personally at Matt. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.